Today, I, I feel like I've got a message that is uh, right for our, our times. In fact, I think the whole Joseph series has been on point uh, for our times that we now live in. I'm going to talk to you about securing our storehouse. And uh, in a sense, what I'm going to do today is, is speak a, a message of maturity to to those of you listening, and, and actually, here's my goal. I want you to look into your future, but I want you to do something today. So today, right now on Sunday, I want you to either make a decision or do something. Let me explain what I mean. If our government came along, you know, Boris came along, and you know, I, my hair is a little bit neater than his right now, which I'm thankful for that. But uh, if Boris came along and stood up and said, I've figured out this season and I know all what's going to happen, I know that you would be a little bit more skeptical. I know that you would, you would kind of think, nobody's got this season figured out. But if I came along, like I did to the staff uh, first uh, thing uh, last Monday morning and, and, and said, hey, I wonder if something else is going to happen, like, you know, some disaster or some, some kind of uh, big thing is going to happen. I think there'd be people out there who'd say, yeah, sure, I could believe that. And it's because this season has been so unusual. And what this season has taught us, uh, this time of the pandemic and the time of, of everything we've gone through, it's taught us that we're not in control. That actually there are some things beyond our control. And it's taught us that we have to trust. You see, if you want control, you're going to be stressed out. But if you want to trust, you're going to receive life and you're going to receive something of God. Psalm 28 verse 7 says, The Lord is my strength and my shield, and my heart trusts in Him, and He helps me. So here's the choice that you've got today. Do you want to try and control everything, or do you want to trust? And today, what I want to ask you to begin to do is not to be irresponsible in every way, uh, not to, not kind of in any way to, to just say, oh, I'm just abandoning and come, uh, come what may will happen, but that you say, I can't control everything that's going to happen, but I can trust in you, God. Today, I'm going to read you an unusual dream. It's found in Genesis chapter 41. And the mighty Pharaoh, with all his powers and his pyramids and everything that he had, he was not in control. The Nile, which was their source of strength and their, their source of economic power, was going to produce famine. That everything that they trusted in was wiped out. And today, what we need to understand is that what Joseph says is, God is in control. And God is going to do what he does. Will you turn with me? To Genesis chapter 41, and actually, I'm only going to read just a, a short passage, just 10 verses. Genesis 41, excuse me, 22 through 32. And uh, I just want to uh, let us have a look at that dream that uh, Pharaoh had. Here's the dream. This is Pharaoh speaking. In my dream, I saw... Seven heads of grain full 
and good growing on a stalk. And, and after them, seven other heads sprouted when, with the withered and the thin and were thin, and, the scor- and they were scorched by the east wind. The thin heads of grain were swallowed up by seven good heads. And I told this to the mission, magicians, and they could not explain it. And also, just before this, he says, uh, there were, uh, the Pharaoh said to Joseph, in my dream, I saw standing on the bank of the Nile, in verse 17, when out of the river there came up seven cows, fat and sleek, and they grazed amongst the reeds. And then after them, seven other cows came up, scrawny and very ugly and lean. And I've never seen such ugly cows in all the land of Egypt, Pharaoh said. The lean, ugly cows ate up the seven fat cows that came up first. But even after they ate them, no one could tell that they had done so. They looked just as ugly as before. Then I woke up. And then in verse 25, Joseph says to Pharaoh this, The dreams of Pharaoh are one and the same. God has revealed to Pharaoh what he is about to do. You see, God's about to do something. It doesn't matter what you say, Pharaoh. It doesn't matter what the Nile tries to produce. God's about to do something. The seven good cows are seven years, and the seven good heads of grain are seven years. It is one and the same dream. The seven lean and ugly cows that came after us, afterwards are another seven years. I want you to remember that, seven years. And uh, the grain scorched by the east wind, they are seven years of famine. It's just as I said, Pharaoh, God has shown Pharaoh what he is about to do. Seven years of great abundance are coming throughout the land of Egypt, but then seven years of famine will follow them. Then all the abundance in Egypt will be forgotten and the famine will ravage the land. How many of you uh, had a, in fact, in this auditorium, we stood here on the New Year's Eve of 2020 saying this is going to be a great year. I wonder how many of you can remember that happy time or whether or not this time of the pandemic has wiped out some of those memories. Let's remember that God is still in control. Can I hear an amen, everyone? God's in control. Then all the abundance of Egypt will be forgotten and the famine will ravish the land. The abundance in the land will not be remembered because of the famine that follows it. It will be so severe. The reason the dream was given to Pharaoh in these two forms, in this matter, because it's been decided firmly by God what he will do. And I hear another saying, God is in control. Now, this is the important point. We must not base our trust in, in our plans, but on God's ability to provide. That actually, that when, he will pro- when He provides, sure, we have to follow some plans and we have to follow some principles. We have to follow what God wants us to do. But we don't do that out of a sense of fear and of panic. That first of all, we need to combine two attitudes in this season. Because, you know what? I would have never believed that John Lewis would have closed down in Grand Central. I think that flagship store, I thought, wow, that's secure. 
And yet, in these economic times that we live in, we need to understand that we have to trust. We have to begin to say, well, God, I'm not sure about everything that's going to happen, but I trust you. And if you're watching in today and you're job and your situation doesn't seem uh, quite certain. You don't need certainty. You need the clarity that God is going to provide for you. God is going to look after you. Now, it may be a, a difficult ride, but you need to begin to combine this attitude. Firstly, the attitude that says, I have complete trust. A little bit like the widow in the New Testament. That, that she cast in her offering and she gave everything that she had. And she, she was saying, I, I just want to trust you, God. Don't, don't preempt God in your situation by saying to yourself, well, I'm, I, I can't trust God because uh, my situation is too difficult anyway. Don't, don't rob God of the blessing of providing for you by you taking your trust out of his hands because he actually wants to provide for you. You see, the lesson that we need to learn is like the Macedonian church is in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 2. He says this, in the midst of very severe trial, very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up into rich generosity. Listen to me, folks. How do you get those four word couplets in one sentence? Very severe trial, overflowing joy. Extreme poverty, rich generosity. You see, the Bible teaches us that in the tension of, of being in a difficult place, and you know, my heart goes out to you as a pastor if you're in a difficult place right now. Seriously, it does. But we need to learn that in the tension of severe trial, we can still have rich generosity. In the tension of, of extreme trial, we can have overflowing joy. And that we can do that because our life is based in an attitude of trust upon God. Now, God gave a dream to Pharaoh, and it was a difficult dream. It was a difficult warning. But it was still God saying, if you do what I say, if you follow in trust with me, I can see you through this. You see, how those four words, uh, four uh, couplets can be in the same sentence with the Macedonians is, is because their trust did not depend on their circumstances, but it depended on what God had placed in their hearts and on their values. I want to ask you today, and this is the point of my message today, would you begin to face this next season from a point of trust about how God wants to provide for you through this? Every one of us, every single one of us, can feel the sense of urgency in our economics in a minute. Our, our Chancellor, Rishi Shunak, has announced package after package after package. And, and as much as he announces, there seems to be yet some more that needs to be done. You might be still on furlough. You might be one of those people who may have lost your job. But can I just call you to just begin to say, well, God, 
I, I know that you have my life and I want to trust you. I know that I can't be in control, but I can trust you. You see, if we combine this trust with this kind of second attitude of wisdom, that where Joseph says, okay, this is going to be tough, but uh, there is a way through it because God has shown us to it. It's, it's out of our control, but he will lead us through this. Look at verse 36 in, in uh, Genesis 41. It says, the food that was held in reserve for the country uh, will be used for the seven years of the famine that will be upon Egypt and that the country will not be ruined by famine. God had a plan to get them through the difficult times. And it was how much they were wise enough to follow that plan. So I want to just talk to you just a, a few minutes about our economics and us responding to this time with a, with a stewardship mentality. Here, here are some lessons. The first thing is this. The issue of stewardship and your finances, you're going to have to take a long-term view. Things don't change in finances overnight. The dream that Pharaoh had set a 14-year course in their life. Now, just think of your age right now, however old you are, whether you're 30, then if you had this dream, you'd be 44 before the implications of it played fully out. You see, you've got to think long-term in your stewardship. So the plan was seven years of planning, seven years of walking it out. That's 14 years. Most of us only think a few days and weeks ahead. Stewardship is about, however, taking actions today that will help you in the long term. So today I'm asking you to think long term, but I'm also going to ask you at the end of this message to take action today, whatever small step it is to get you through and get you on to a strong footing in stewardship. You see, we've got to have a long-term view about our finances and God's provision. In fact, Jesus said, don't store up for yourselves things here on earth. He said, lay up treasures in heaven. We've actually got to have an eternal view about what our value is. So, you have to, however, but you have to start today making some decisions because the Egyptians were asked, we want you to act today. This is going to happen. It's seven years away. Don't we wait till year six and then try and save or anything. Start today. So I'm asking you, if there's something in your finances that needs to be put right, start today. But understand, it's going to take a while. Number two, things can change quickly. So you need, even if you haven't got one yet, you need to plan to have a buffer in your life. Now, I know some of you, when, when me and Kathy were starting out, we didn't have, a, they used to say, we didn't have two halfpennies to rub, rub together, two halfpennies to rub together. But we quickly learned that no matter how, how difficult things were, we would always start just a very small, even if it was only a few pence. In fact, one, one um, time I remember that we saved a pound and we thought it was a great achievement. I want you to notice something that no matter how difficult it is, that it's really important that you start planning to get a buffer around your life 
to get a margin around your life. Notice this. Notice that the order of the dream is this. It's very different than our culture. Notice in Pharaoh's dream that there were seven fat cows that were eaten up by seven ugly cows. And after the seven ugly cows had eaten the fat cows, they didn't look any different. That it still looked pretty bad. In our culture, we often think that, oh, we'll struggle for a bit and then things will get better. Now, I'm not being uh, uh, negative in any way, but the lesson is this. This is the lesson. Things can change quickly, so have a buffer around your life. Things can change. We have noticed this. When I was in January and February, I was looking forward to 220, uh, 2020. I always say 220. I don't know why I say that. 2020. Uh, I was looking forward to this year. And in March, March the 15th, uh, things started to change. And in fact, it changed over a week. Things can change quickly. So put a buffer around your life. But actually, if you look at verse 54 in Genesis uh, 41, it says, there was a famine in all the other lands, but the whole of the land of Egypt, there was food. That's because they built up a buffer. Now, I know that I'm speaking to some people, and that, that you'll be saying, oh, that's all right for you, Pastor Mark, at your age, but we're too young to save, we're too young to do this. Start saving now, even if it's only 50 pence. Put a buffer around your life, because it'll train you. Even if you think it's meaningless, it will train you so that God can then use you later on. Number three, you need to see saving as a lifestyle, not a choice or a luxury, but you need to see saving as a lifestyle. See it as a bill that you pay yourself every month. That's what happened in this, in this dream there will, there will be some who will say to me right now, oh, Pastor Mark, I can't possibly save. And, and that may be the reality. You need to hit your debts. I understand that. But understand this. When the Egyptians saw the, the need that was coming, saving was not an option. They put the, they put the grain in the storehouse. Uh, basically, this is what I want to say to every single one of us. And I say this to myself. Don't plan on living on everything you get. Always plan on living on less than what you get. Can I get an amen on the feed? Now, I know that some of you, this is difficult to hear. But if we're going to get through these economic times, hear some wisdom from me right now. Let me be pastor. Let me be shepherd. Don't plan on living on everything that you get. Save more than you think. Do you know in this story, they had to save 20% of everything they got. You can see it. Look in verse 34. Get out your Bibles. It says, take a fifth of all the grain that's produced and, and put it into the storehouses. They were, they were living on 80%. And then if you think about your generosity, your giving, that's living on even less. So begin to understand that a principle in life is that you have to not live on everything you get. You know the proverb says that a fool consumes all that he has. I wonder today if I can just call you to begin to say, okay, God, things have been bad in my finances, but I'm just going to make some decisions about rebudgeting. I'm going to make some decisions about saving. 
You know, as well, I noticed that they saved in a secure place. You know, all the grain that was saved, it wasn't put under a mattress or in somebody's uh, uncle's back garden or in their house. It was brought into a central place under the authority of Joseph. I just want to say just a practical thing. Make sure you put your savings in a safe place. And that's not under your mattress or with your uncle. That is with a proper place where you save them. Okay, number four. You must use your savings when you need them. You see, you don't just keep them as a false security. I have dealt with lots of people towards the end of their life. And, and uh, you know, let me, let me just say to you that I have, I've dealt with, with people who, who have found out that their parents have got hundreds of thousands of pounds in the bank just sitting there. And their children have said, man, we, we could have used this. Uh, I just want to say to you that when, when the famine hit, it says in this story that they opened the storehouses. They didn't just say, oh, no, I, I can't touch my savings. Because actually, some people use savings as a full security. They stop trusting in God and tr- start trusting in the savings. You know, if you saved for something then use it. Because if saving is a lifestyle, is something that you do regularly, you'll replenish those savings anyway. So don't be afraid to use your savings when the need arises for you to use your savings. I'm just teaching you four practical lessons today. Number one, the issue of stewardship and finances always take a long-term view. Number two, things change, so make sure you have a buffer. Number three, don't see saving as a luxury, see it as a lifestyle. And number four, you must use your savings when you need them and don't let them become an idol or a false security in your life or a place that you've replaced God with. God is my security, not my savings. God is my trust, not my bank. God is whom I trust in. Now, understand that through this, through this dream, I believe it speaks into today's economic shock. That wherever you are with your finances, wherever you are in your life, that God has a plan to get you through it. Come on, let's remember some of the things that we've been learning in our journey as a church. We've been learning that faith and, and finances are, are inseparable. That our approach to money often speaks where our spiritual state is. Remember the widow, she gave all she had. Remember the rich young, young ruler that Jesus said, one thing you lack, and he went away sorrowful. Remember Zacchaeus, when he, when he comes to, uh, to full salvation, he gives uh, away to those people who, who he's cheated. Remember the early church. Remember the early church, that as soon as the Holy Spirit filled them, that they took care of everybody in need. There is a definite link between healthiness in faith and, and, and your attitude to possessions, generosity, and money. Remember, we've been learning that we need to value eternal treasure. That, we, that we're actually seeking an eternal kingdom. That the things of this world don't hold us like they hold other people. If you knew something was worthless tomorrow, you'd sell it. 
You know, in the, in the United States, when the Confederates were losing to the Yankees, all the Confederate people sold their Confederate dollars because they knew that the Yankee dollar would be, would be the real currency. If you knew something was going to be worthless tomorrow, you'd get rid of it. So make sure that you're investing into eternal values. Understand that you just need to delay your gratification. Make some sacrifices for now, for a long-term future. Now, don't be stingy. Don't, don't you know, say to you kids, you'll never have an ice cream until you're 18 because we are saving. Don't, don't do any of that. But understand for you that sometimes we have to delay some things so we can inherit some things in a long term. The Bible says we need to provide for our families. There's nothing wrong with providing for our families. First Timothy 5 verse 8, in fact, says that you're worse than an unbeliever if you don't provide for your family. But listen, I'm going to ask the worship team just to come. But let me just say to you, your poverty or your economic situation does not exempt you from giving. Now, I know that this has been broadcast out to the world, and I want to just say to you uh, that in BCC, we want to be a generous church. We want to be a, a church that is good financially and stewardship-wise. We want to run food banks. We want to give to other people. We want to tithe to other uh, people, and we do tithe. But your situation, however poor you may feel it is, does not exempt you from giving. If you earn 10 pounds a week and you tithe it and only give one pound a week, and somebody else earns a footballer's salary of 20,000 pounds a week, and they give 2,000 pounds a week in tithes, your one pound counts the same as their 2,000 pounds. It's the same thing in God's eyes. And it's fair for everyone, and it's, and it's on a level playing field for everyone. So understand, what we've been learning is if we stick to God's plans, and today I've talked to you about saving. If we stick to God's plans, God will provide. But I don't share these plans with you in the sense of saying anything about uh, that we should fear. Actually, if we come at everything from a position of, I trust you, God. God, I trust you. Then God will provide. So right now, wherever you are, I just want you to bow your head. I just put your hand on your heart with me. And I want you to make some decisions today, right now, today. If you have to open a savings account, do it today. Do it online. Begin to say, God, I, I'm not saving. Open something. If, if you today feel that your debts are out of control, get some help. Begin to ask for help. If you today have not looked at your budget the whole year, have a look today. On a Sunday, I'm asking you, act today. Begin to do something today. Because what you do today will play out over the long term. So, Heavenly Father, I just want to pray for our church. Lord, we love them, and we pray as we go into these next months of, of people who, who might be having job losses or people having redundancies or difficult things. I just pray that you will download to them the plan. You did it to Joseph. You downloaded him a plan. 
And as they followed that plan, it worked. And so in the name of Jesus now, I pray that as people begin to say, well, God, create a buffer around my life. Begin to delay some gratification. Begin to make some sacrifices that, Lord, you will lead us through. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to sing a worship song right now, and we've just been delighted to have you with us today. And uh, we're going to lift up the Lord. And as we sing this worship song, I wonder if you could just lay all your provision needs to God. And that you would just, just say, God, I just want to trust you with this. All your provision needs. And then God will begin to download his plans to you. Come on.